to be able to tell stories here and there and just be able to say, look, here are specific things that God is doing throughout the world, the people that are coming to faith, churches that are being planted, you know, new disciples being made and, and leaders trained up and being placed in these church, like all of those kinds of things that we can point to specifically and say, man, here's what, here's specifically some things that, that you're giving is accomplishing. Welcome to Baptist Without an Adjective, a podcast of Word and Way. I'm your host, Word and Way editor and president, Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word and Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at wordandway.org. This episode is sponsored in part by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Do you want to change the world and be changed in the process? At the intersection of your passion and the community's needs is the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's Dick and Jez Marie Hurst Global Service Corps. The program places recent college and seminary grads or retirees with CBF field personnel in 25 countries for a two-year mission apprenticeship to serve others and share Christ's love. Apply today at cbf.net slash global dash service dash core. Core is spelled C-O-R-P-S. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation with Rodney Calfee, Content Director for the Southern Baptist Convention's International Mission Board. I had a chance to sit down with Rodney during the annual convention in April of the Evangelical Press Association in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And in this conversation, he's going to talk about the work of storytelling at the International Mission Board, why they tell stories, why that's so important to the missionary mission there. So here's my conversation with Rodney Calfee of the International Mission Board. First of all, Rodney, thanks for joining us on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be here. So you are the content director for the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. What does that involve? So really, it's a marketing role. Well, so content is the big part of it, right? And so you got to think about what content is. And so content is, is anything that's contained, right? So it's whatever's in something. So my favorite definition of content is actually the stuff of things, and which is really sort of a strange way to think about it. But it, but it really is. It's the stuff that makes up all the things that you want to talk about. And so for me, I have a focus on digital properties. So editorial content, you know, video content, pretty much any of the words that are front-facing, particularly in a digital format, is, is under my purview. Social media, all that kind of stuff. So so why is it important to tell the stories that you and there are others at IMB that are working to tell these kind of stories? And, and if I could ask that question perhaps a little bit more crudely, I wonder, some might wonder, well, why are we paying you and not just missionaries? Like, well, what, why, why do we have someone that's, that's directing content? That's, you have others that are doing social media and, and you know, there's photographers and writers. There's a lot of storytellers involved yeah. at IMB. So, so why is it important to tell these stories? Well, so... Ultimately, what we, what the IMB is meant to do is to partner with churches to make disciples and plant churches among unreached people in places around the world. And to really, to really do that, so I work for church mobilization, so part of my role is to really move the churches into engagement with unreached people. So whether that's praying or giving or actually going to the field on a short-term trip or, or sending people out long-term, that's really part of what I do. Two ways that we really utilize story. One is 
Again, if you're thinking marketing terms, it's ROI. What's yeah. your return on investment is you guys are, are supporting this through the cooperative program, through Lottie Moon Giving, all that kind of thing. So we want to be able to talk well about what God is doing through that investment, through that work. But the second is, if, again, if you return to that sort of marketing terminology, it's top of the funnel kind of stuff. It, it's the thing that, that draws eyeballs and attention to the work that we're doing. So it's really sort of inspirational in nature. So I talk about like our website a lot. People ask me, what's the, what's the point of your digital presence? And a lot of times if I'm in a room full of missionaries or people that have been involved in mission in some way, I'll ask the question. So how many people in the room started out your sort of mission journey with a short-term trip? And 95% of all of those rooms, the hands go up. So there's an experience with the people where they looked in the faces of, of people. They understood their hurt, understood the need for the gospel. They saw some sort of disconnect or, or thing. They fell in love with a people and then start begin to explore what, what would it look like for me to, to take the gospel to these people. And so really that's what we're trying to, to create is this sort of digital experience of that. Looking in the eyes of people around the world, hearing their stories, seeing what's going on with them, learning how you know, their involvement, you know, how, how they might engage there. Michael Margolis is a so getstory.com is a, a storyteller. He calls himself the CEO, founder, and chief storyteller for getstory.com. He has this quote. He said, if you if you want to learn about a culture, listen to the stories. If you want to change a culture, change the stories. And so for us, as we're thinking about interacting with Southern Baptist churches and leading the way toward mission, working well with them, that's really what we want to do. We want to shape those stories shape the way churches are thinking about missionaries, change the way that they're thinking about missions in general, change the way that they're thinking about people and places around the world, change their understanding of all that, and then really sort of inject a, a new thought process. So we talk about every church, every nation, is sort of our tagline, right? So we want, we believe that every church has a role to play in reaching the nations with the gospel, but we also believe that every individual in every one of those churches has a specific role to play in reaching every nation with the gospel. So we talk about that sort of a tagline that we that we use a lot. And if we're going to do that, that, that requires some some pretty strong culture shaping. And so people are already naturally they're used to learning and communicating through story, whether they realize it or not. So if you look at the science of story, it's so intriguing, and, and that's really what we're trying to get at is utilizing story to, to do that because people are already hardwired for it. And one of my favorite sort of images for that, there was a, a researcher who was interested. He was actually a journalist. He was interested in the way that narrative affects the brain. And so they went in and met with some doctors and tried some experiments. And they put a man into MRI machine, right? And they began to just list facts, right? So just, you know, this is a statement. It's true. Here's a fact. And so they were looking at what the brain was doing at that time. There were specific areas of the brain that were lighting up. So yet language comprehension and processing, right? So those two areas of the brain started to light up. And so then they changed it and they started telling him a story. And, you know, the brain just started lighting up in everywhere because it's, it's processing emotion and then it's creating emotion. It's... It's thinking like imagination, areas of the brain that affect your ability to, to think of story and, and really sort of 
almost dream, right, began to be affected. Visual image processing came into place, all these different areas of the brain. And if your brain is that active during storytelling, then you're far more likely to hold on to that information. It's far more likely to affect you longer term than just the sort of fact telling thing. So we can talk about facts and numbers and, and in missions we do that, right? There's a lot of facts and numbers out there. But I think the thing that really helps to transform people is, is when we tell really great story. There's a quote, Barbara Hardy is an English literary critic. And she says it this way, we dream in narrative. We daydream in narrative. We remember, anticipate, hope, despair, believe, doubt, plan, revise, criticize, construct, gossip, learn, hate, and love all by narrative. Like it's, it's hardwired into who we are. Therefore, to get back to your original question, that's why I think telling story is so critical to what we do. So we, we have people that are doing the work of mission on the field. And by the way, most of them are using story to communicate right, the gospel. And then we're doing the same thing on the other end, just helping partner with churches and get them moving toward missionary engagement. One of the genius of the cooperative program is how well it funds missions efforts. Others that are raising their own funds or spending a lot of time with fundraising and so forth. So IMB missionaries that are funded by the cooperative program are able to really focus on their work there. But then there can be that disconnect sometimes. It might be, well, I gave some money to the offering and it went to somebody somewhere, right? And so that your job is to con- make that connection that you didn't just give some money to the offering. You were partnering with this missionary right here that's doing this work right now, right here to further the kingdom. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. That's definitely part of it. It's, it's to say, yes, you, I think in stories, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm, I'm picturing like a grandmother who's been giving faithfully to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for 60 years, you know, and, and just thinking of all the stories that are connected to all of that giving so faithfully for so many years. And she can't know all of those stories. It, you know, it's impossible for her to know exactly what all that affected. But to be able to tell stories here and there and just be able to say, look, here are specific things that God is doing throughout the world, the people that are coming to faith, churches that are being planted, you know, new disciples being made and, and leaders trained up and being placed in these church, like all of those kinds of things that we can point to specifically and say, man, here's what, here's specifically some things that, that you're giving is accomplishing. So what are some of the difficulties in you know, you're talking about telling stories, but you're, you all are telling some very specific types of stories of mission field and sometimes in locations where there's some security issues. So what are some of the difficulties that you all face in this storytelling? Yeah. So the number one is exactly what you said. It's, it's difficult places. It's security. It's in a, in a world that is, you know, I would say is, is becoming more hostile toward the gospel in some ways. Uh, and, and, and we've really, you know, a lot of times uh, missions organizations will talk about sort of, you know, all of the easy places are are taken, right? <laughs> all of the easy places to go have, have happened. Everything that what's left is is difficult places. It's places where there are people who are hostile to the gospel and you may risk your life to be there. And and so then communicating those stories could endanger people that are going, but it could also endanger people who are coming to faith. So think about coming out of the Muslim faith or coming out of some other faith where there could be hostility from a community and the connectivity of our world. Like, so we start telling those stories here 
they don't stay within the borders of the states, right? We let this, you know, we, we tell digital stories. And once that's out there, you can't get that back, right? So you can go delete your story. It's still out there. And it gets it goes a lot farther than a lot of times we think it is. So that's the biggest thing that we're having to deal with is how do we tell these stories faithfully and tell them well, but also, you know, remain faithful to the security of those people who are coming to faith and those people who are working in difficult places. So creativity comes into play <laughs> and finding good ways to make that happen. Well, I know there are, there are many things you can't share. But I wonder, is there a favorite story that you can share from your time so far at IMB? Well, so I'll, I'll share a recent one. We, we actually just recently ran this story in it. So there are lots of stories about refugees right now, right. a lot of stories. And rightly so. There's a lot of people movement around the world. But we started, we were looking into some refugee story. And this, this story popped up. It's sort of an old story about refugees. It, it's actually from the 1960s, the Cuban refugee movement mm -hmm. into the U.S. And so I think Castro's you know, in charge. There's wars and rumors of war. <laughs> you know, all the things are, are going on. Castro is, is really sort of there's a lot of really difficult things happening. People are, are losing income and businesses and all those kinds of things. And so there's a lot of people within that decade, the 60s. It was nearly 400,000 Cuban refugees that came to the States. So at that time, it would have been the Home Mission Board began to partner with Southern Baptist churches to care for a lot of those refugees that were coming into the States. And so we found some stories that were really interesting and a couple that were interconnected. And one of those stories was this little boy named Carlos that came from, from Cuba. His, his entire family, aunts and uncles, like lots of people, they lost their family business. They lost their home income gone. So they ended up on a Spanish ship and sort of bounced around a bunch of different places and then ended up in California. And one of the Southern Baptist churches began to care for them and, and took care of all their needs, provided a place for them to stay, you know, was feeding them and, and, and all these things. And, and to hear Carlos tell the story now, he'll say, you know, he was really, you know, obviously pleased and very grateful, but he was confused because he had never heard of a Baptist before. He didn't know what that what that was. And so now there are all these happy, smiling Baptists, you know, meeting every one of his needs. And so fast forward a little bit. It was in college that Carlos will tell his story and he'll say the same thing. Like I, I was I was kneeling between two missionaries and came to faith in Christ you know, with these, these missionaries surrounding me and praying with me and came to faith. And it was at that time that I, I realized, I remembered back, you know, the earlier story. Well, now I understand why these, why these people had loved me. They, they had experienced the love of Jesus and they were sharing that with me. Well, Carlos went on to finish college and he was married, had a couple of kids and he joined a missions organization based in Atlanta. And so as he came into that organization, it was getting settled in. He learned that that organization had worked with Cuban refugees in the 60s. And so he began to ask around a little bit and get some information. And one day, the man who had overseen that process in the 60s walked in and he had a file in his hand and tears in his eyes. And he said, he said, Carlos, I found some information and not just some information about the refugees, but we found some from California and this file, this is your file. And so what had happened is it came full circle. Carlos was now working for the organization that had taken care of his family that many years ago and ultimately led him to faith. 
And so now Carlos Ferrer is the executive vice president and CFO for the North American Mission Board. And so it's just, it's, it's, yeah, such an amazing story to be able to see because it, it narrates quite literally what the cooperative program is meant to do, right? What Baptist cooperation is meant to accomplish and, and then to see it, you know, come back full circle and him, for him to be in this, you know, leadership role is just, so I love that. Oh, I love it now too. That's beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I want to back up the story a little bit. So where did you grow up? When did you start feeling called to the ministry? A little bit more about the, the, the man behind the job here. Right, right, right. Okay. So I am an Alabama boy through and through, born and raised just outside of Birmingham and grew up in a you know Christian home. Granddad was a pastor and then my dad was a pastor and then... You know, so there was a sort of assumption, right? And I, I fought it. I, I didn't want to want to be that. Uh, and so I was a musician. I wanted to do music and do my thing. And then I wanted to be a veterinarian. And I was going to pursue that. And, and the Lord, in His in His sovereignty, you know, redirected paths and, and led me along. And finally, ended up at Stanford and studying religion there and had been doing ministry along the way. And so, you know, I did like every other good Baptist boy does that's supposed to go in ministry and you get a youth ministry role, right? And so <laughs> you plug in and you do that. And it's really interesting that I would end up where I am though, because I, I was a pastor in a church, like planted, helped to plant a church in Birmingham. And I was the worship guy, the music guy, and then ended up becoming the teaching pastor of that church. And then and we were this weird church, like one of those young churches that really wanted to be in the city and and do a lot of cool ministry in the city. But we had no idea anyone outside of Birmingham existed. And so we weren't doing really any sort of missions stuff at all. And some friends came through town and were talking about missions. Like, the Lord just connected some some dots for me. Two weeks later, I'm on my first like real mission trip. And I was, I was ruined. I was wrecked. Where to? That was to Taiwan. Okay. Yeah. So I ended up in Taipei doing some work there and came home and it wrecked me and then therefore wrecked my church. And so, yeah, it, God just began to change things. And writing had been just sort of an artistic expression for a while. I just loved to write, loved words. I was a word geek and loved to argue about Oxford commas and all that kind of stuff. And so just part of who I was. And then I began to write for the church and then... A few people started wanting me to write things and they would pay me. And so it just began a side hustle and from there developed on. I never would have thought that I would be, you know, I work for a ministry organization, but I'm a marketer. And I never would have like that. That's never a thing that would have been on my radar. Never have looked into the future and said, I'll be a marketing guy there. But the way that my passions have sort of align and the Lord and his, you know, sovereignty and his grace have allowed those things I'm really passionate for words and marketing and communication storytelling along with mission and, and being able to express the gospel to people who need it sort of came together. So it's been a weird journey to get here, mm-hmm. but yeah, man, I'm grateful that the, the Lord has been so gracious and, and kind to bring me that way. I've got one last question for you. And as you've kind of noted, you've, you've worked in several ministry roles. You've served at a local church, you've worked for a nonprofit helping churches, and now you're at IMB. And in each of these roles, the communication and content creation has been a key focus. And so what tips do you have for church leaders who are listening when it comes to telling the stories of their ministries, the local congregation? What are, what are some kind of basic things that they can try more of? Yeah, so I would say, I think it's really interesting 
A lot of people want to tell story. Well, they talk about telling story, but they don't just do it. The story is natural. Story is everywhere. It's all around us. And story doesn't have to be, I think we sell ourselves short when we think that story has to be some you know, grandiose sort of overarching, life-changing, world-changing sort of thing. Jesus told a lot of story, and some of them were pretty simple stories, right? And they were, they were just sort of basic communication tools, but it yeah, bore so much weight. And so that's one of the things I would say. It's like story is everywhere, so employ it. Don't just talk about employing it. You actually have to utilize story. And so if, if you're not a good storyteller, become one. Learn it. Like Start working those muscles out because you know it, and it, it's intuitive to us. We learn by telling stories. We communicate through stories. So let's start utilizing that. But not only that, I would say even equip your people to tell story, particularly in a church situation. I mean, you get people who are who are among their lost friends and neighbors and workmates and all those kinds of things. And being able to communicate well through story is invaluable to evangelism. It's invaluable to sharing your life with your neighbors and friends. So it's it's innate. It's it's in us. Embrace it, like learn it well, develop those muscles, and then train your people and, and release them to do it as well. Very good. Well, thank you, Rodney, so much for your time and for all the work that you are doing and helping tell some really fantastic stories. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. You can learn more about the International Mission Board at imb.org. As always, you can find us at wordandway.org. Don't forget to check out our sponsoring partner for this week's episode, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship at cbf.net. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope that you will share it with your friends on Facebook and head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and write a positive review to help more people to find the show. If you have any comments or feedback, you can send them to me at bkaler at wordandway.org. And if you'd like to support this program, we greatly appreciate it. You can head to wordandway.org and hit the donate button, and whatever you give there will help the, support the production of this podcast, our monthly magazine, and our website. Thanks for listening.